0: Hey, hello, everyone, and welcome to the ocean Bunker podcast in collaboration with the UK Defense Journal. Um, with me today um, is Defense Geek and Intel Aaron C. Um, we're going to be talking about a few things today on um, episode 10. I think we're going to hit on um, Afghanistan, Cuba, South Africa, Carrier Strike Group 21, um, a few other things that honestly I did not write down. So let's just get right into it.
1: Yeah, so... Um... In the last couple of episodes, we've, we've kind of looked um, a little bit at the situation in Afghanistan, and, and, and last week, or, or last episode rather, myself and Technical, um, we went into quite a lot of detail on the ongoing crisis and, and, and the concerns that there are there. Um, I think it's fair to say there's been some developments since we last spoke?
0: Uh, yes, there have. Um... So I think the main thing to focus on, um, and I had done a, a thread about this on my Twitter, um, was that it's most likely that the Taliban will not win Afghanistan by actually physically taking cities that um, sort of that are strongholds for the government that's currently in power. What we will probably end up seeing is that what they're doing right now, which is cutting off the official government from their sources of income and their ability to actually run the country. So um, we saw them capture uh, some major border crossings into Pakistan, which have effectively at this point cut off the um, government in Kabul from land routes to other countries, which means basically any supplies they get in have to either come through Taliban territory or be flown in. Um, And with the U.S. not there to exactly supply that to them, it's most likely that we're going to see more and more pressure put on um, the government in Kabul. Additionally, we're... um, seeing some tensions caused by uh, the Taliban capturing areas adjacent to Pakistan. Um, we saw uh, the Pakistani Air Force actually threatened to strike uh, Afghan government forces who were pushing too close to the border. Um, we've also seen some um, spillover of the conflict into the tribal areas of Pakistan, um, which the Pakistani government does not like, um, and additionally geopolitically in the region. Iran seems to be getting, um, how do I put this? antsy um, mm. at the current situation, uh, former, uh, president, uh, Ahmadinejad. Why can I never say that name correctly? I don't think anyone <laughs> in the U S can, um, said, and I'll put this tweet on the screen, uh, a dangerous political game in Afghanistan will soon be greatly regretted by the deceived ones. No, one's really sure who he refers to as the deceived ones. um, but it could be Pakistan. It could be Tehran. Um, but at this point, again, we're seeing a large portion of territory with effectively no real governmental control. I mean, I know the, Pakistan, the Taliban exists there, but um, yeah, we're not sure. And, and of course, there will always be regional tensions um, between Tehran and um, Pakistan as well, mostly because Pakistan has aligned itself at least somewhat closely with the US. Um, I, I know that that relationship has a fairly long history, but I, I do expect to see um, some sort of evolution um, between those two countries in the near future, especially as the US withdraws from the region.
1: Yeah, and this this threat that uh, Pakistan has made to towards the Afghan forces, um, it's quite a surprise really I think um, considering it's when when, when the when, when the threat was initially made it was very much um, Pakistan saying yeah we don't want you operating anywhere near our border but it, it's showing a very clear commitment from the Pakistani government to supporting the Taliban and yes
0: which we definitely as we talked about in our last episode we weren't exactly sure what Pakistan was going to do because of their relationship with the Taliban in the first place. Mm.
1: And I think it's going to be interesting to see, as you say, um, Pakistan and the US do have a relationship of sorts. And if Pakistan is now very strongly taking sides with the Taliban as the US withdraws, I wonder if we will see a shift in the US relationship with Pakistan, or whether... The U.S. is just going to accept that, you know, a friend of its friend is its enemy, if that makes sense. At
0: least the current administration has sort of separated um, its existence um, with the existence of the Taliban um, and the Afghan government. So I think right now the, the current U.S. position is to sort of distance itself from all parties. Um, and basically just protect their assets in Kabul and that that's effectively it. So we might not exactly see that much, um, how do I put this, tension between the three parties um, just as the U.S. removes itself. Mm -hmm. The current administration sort of has a... um, it's its position is is distancing and unplugging from Afghanistan and basically just washing our hands of the situation. Um, so that basically as long as you look at um, it, look at the entire situation through that lens, that will sort of be able to give you a good idea of where the us stands right now and where different players in the region stand. Mm. Um, so, it's weird because now Pakistan is the closest we have to sort of a, a NATO ally in the region. Um, and they're acting against what used to be NATO interests. So it's just, it's this very interesting evolution and we may see it. uh, We may see the conflict completely change in nature as well, especially as, um, Iran also looks to get involved as the security situation devolves on their Eastern border.
1: Yeah, and and I don't know if I said this last episode, but it is worth remembering that the conflict in Afghanistan is not just the last 20 years with NATO and the US being heavily involved. The war in Afghanistan has been going on for well over 40 years at this point. Um, sort of civil conflict between the Taliban and government forces, and then obviously um, it sort of came... To the world's attention with the events of 9/11 and the invasion um, about 20 years ago now. Um, the war in Afghanistan is far from over. Just because the US and NATO withdraw doesn't mean that things are going to settle down. We've, you know, like we said, we, we've talked about that uh, last episode, um, and I think we're we're starting to see now. Sort of a a rough idea of what the future for Afghanistan looks like. And as we say, graveyard of empires. Yeah, and and, and we're seeing obviously Pakistan get involved and Iran. um, And obviously the Taliban is is going from strength to strength. Um, It's concerning. And I don't think uh, it's at all what any Western governments want to see going on they, you know, they've pulled out, they've mm-hmm. left Afghanistan to its own devices, and unfortunately they will probably reap the consequences.
0: Yeah, and, and of course we also saw, um, over the past few days, we're, we're recording this on um, Sunday the 18th, but um, over, the, over the past few days we've seen um, uh, the Afghan ambassador's daughter be kidnapped um, in Pakistan, um, and then released. And then just today, um, Afghanistan actually recalled their ambassador, um, as well for, for multiple reasons. The kidnapping was one of them, but we also saw, um, we, we also saw, of course, the degrading of Afghan-Pakistani relations, um, which probably had something to do with the, uh, ambassador being recalled. So let's move on to, um, cuba right now um that that of course is happening in in my proverbial backyard this time um (laughs) but um it looks like the uh there have been massive protests by the cuban people spurred by the latest um very very large outbreak of um of covid in the country they they actually did very well up until the last few months with the delta variant but um The people have definitely not liked that and it looks like um this was a fairly organic um social media driven um set of protests that the cuban government cracked down very very hard on um Mm -hmm. using pretty much all the authoritarian playbooks of uh state-sponsored counter protesters uh utilizing the military police specialty units arresting protest leaders um Notably, um, it seems like they've used a Chinese version of the uh, Great Firewall in order to shut down certain portions of internet traffic and go for pinpoint censoring on the um, web, which is very, very interesting. Um, Over the past 10 years, China has definitely helped build up Cuba's internet infrastructure. um, And... With that, uh, of course, they've they've provided uh, material support to their uh, signals intelligence facility in Lourdes as well, um, which is in northern Cuba and is used to um, observe and spy on U.S. activities in the uh, Gulf of Mexico. So that that's that's, of course, that's very, very interesting. Um, And then on top of that, you know, it seems like that Chinese style of shutting down protests worked fairly well. they have mostly fizzled out at this point we did see the u.s make of course what were effectively piecemeal statements you know supporting the protesters and saying that the cuban um regime must be overturned but but apart from that i mean it seems like that chinese help definitely saved cuba in this circumstance
1: yeah and it's uh, like, like like you say it's not entirely protests about uh covid although obviously that has been a factor um I think it's the Cuban people have really sort of decided they've had enough with the current government um, and with the corruption that's going on there. And obviously, you know, this this comes at a time when the Caribbean is really rather quite a volatile place. Um, We've obviously seen uh, the incident uh, a couple of weeks ago now. in Haiti, with the assassination of the President of Haiti. Um, you've had ongoing issues in Venezuela, which sort of borders um, onto the Caribbean. And obviously there's been everything else that's going on. You've, you've got, you know, major uh, hurricane season uh, around about this time of year for that part of the world. Um, and the ongoing drug smuggling. Drug drug smuggling operations that occur um, across that expanse of ocean. Um, so that you know, it's it comes at a very volatile time, um, and yeah, and and the U.S. definitely seems to be.
0: Um, retraining its focus to not just domestic issues, but issues that are at least closer to home, which means something, you know, happening in Haiti or Cuba may draw additional U.S. attention, though, granted, the current administration is also um, hesitant to uh, act outside of U.S. borders. So there, there certainly is that as well, um, or at least act outside of U.S. borders in a military manner. Yeah. Um, I know the Haitian government requested U.S. troops to secure, correction, the Haitian prime Minister. Um, who, let's just say, definitely is a suspicious actor in the assassination of the president, um, proceeded to request U.S. uh, military support to secure um, uh, Port-au-Prince, specifically the oil facilities, the airport, um, and government buildings, which he definitely was trying to use the U.S. to legitimize his, um, claim and legitimize his takeover using emergency powers as well. So we're definitely, that was probably a conversation that was had inside the White House. And most likely the reason that the U S hasn't deployed troops there is because it would be seen as effectively supporting this, you know, emergency takeover of power. And, and it would have been, um, effectively the the Prime Minister of Haiti using US troops as as mercenaries per se hmm. and I I know he he thought he could lure them in with the with the the sweet word of oil but um apparently that did not work this time so I guess let's move on to um at least right now South Africa um <laughs> I, I know um uh, we we just had a fairly awkward moment of silence while, uh, while messaging, but um, <laughs> I think this is an area that uh, Jordan wants to uh, touch on.
2: Well, as of right now, it's considerably quieter than it has been over the past, well, week or so. It's yeah, I, w- I would say, yeah. It's seemingly calmed down now with, obviously, the deployment of the army out in much... With the deployment of the army in much greater numbers.
0: Yeah, I think I think I made the joke that um, armored personnel carriers on the streets of major cities is a very twenty twenty one bingo card moment.
2: Well, I mean, the they had the rattles. With the rattles were deployed to to get the troops about. A lot of them, a lot of the rattles that we saw moving about, were in the command. The command variants really used to for coordinating the actions and obviously that we deployed their like their light cats and um they got they got sent in um was it Umschlanger? It was it wasn't Umschlanger, it was somewhere in Durban they got they got sent and they acted as more of a show of force to the protesters. Obviously we had the maritime rapid reaction teams were also called up to be deployed as well. Yeah, and... we definitely Go ahead. I was just going to say, they're the, the present now outside pretty much any gov- any major government building or large shopping mall that hasn't been burnt and smashed up. They're pretty much present everywhere now.
0: Yeah, that that definitely is something we saw. And granted, this was all driven by the arrest of, um, Jacob, of Jacob Zuma. Zuma. Um, Entirely driven by that. Yes. And... I at least what I um, was told with, that this was effectively um, an implicit threat he had made that um, the country would see mass unrest if he were to be arrested, detained, um, or put in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, this is definitely something that it seems like he used. Well, I mean the the south, the current government called his bluff, um, and then of course he he went through with it.
2: Um, I mean, but. You could... uh, you could see it building up to it happening, um, building up prior to that because obviously you had Jacob Zuma threatening saying, "If oh, you arrest me, there'll be violence on the streets," and you saw even in the the count down until the the count down until the police went and arrested him, people the groups were on the streets already, sort of not sort of like organize not sort of protesting but sort of organizing and being in their presence visible so that we would so that people would see that they are going to protest so it was coming but i don't think anyone expected it to be as violent as what it was
0: yeah and it definitely seems to be a cu- the culmination of a lot of tensions um it, it's it's been a while since we've seen this level of violence in south africa
2: well, it be um, the, it'd be the largest internal de- it's the largest deployment of the um SANDF since the f- end of apartheid
0: mm. yeah so this this definitely Seems to sort of be a, a culmination at least of a lot of um not not tension per se, but but um you know, ingrained issues.
1: And I believe the 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 the, the official figure for the deployment of troops is something in the twenty five thousand range.
2: Yeah, about that. Not all of them are front line, bearing in mind. A lot of them are in are more in the forms of legit are in the forms of logistics as well and yeah, I mean, not all of them are standing on the street with an R with an R four in hand. <laughs> yeah, I mean it.
0: it it's more this. Um, I, I mean, obviously, the government cracked down hard to prove that threats like this in the future, you know, c- couldn't be used against the um, uh, uh, against the government itself. Um, so this was definitely. At least, uh, you know, in, in political science, we, we call this the monopolization of violence in, in held territory. So the, the government was definitely trying to prove that they had the monopoly on violence. Um, and, and, and just to just to act as a demonstration to people who wanted to do this in the future as as a means to to cause issues, not just the protesters themselves, but people who, you know, lead the protesters and drive the unrest in the first place.
2: And I mean, you could potentially end up seeing these protests um, die down and then pick back up when it gets to l- later in the Zuma trial, because obviously he's in court, for, he's, he's in jail for his contempt of court. However, yes. could he's, he's potentially going to end up in lo- longer if he's convicted in the bribery cases, which God knows how long he'll be getting sentenced for in that case.
0: Yeah, we might be, um, honestly, this, this may end up being a, a, a very, very long endeavor, um, which, again, may drive even more um, issues
2: into the future. But I mean, for the most part, like the the, the, the army deployment, it's not as such a deployment it's not so much of the army taking control, it's basically they're deployed in an assistance role to the police service. Hmm. They're not They're not sort of in control of the situation, they're there to assist the police and provide more, just multiply the numbers.
0: Yeah, it's, it's sort of like how the, the National Guard is deployed in the US, um, with... Some frontline service but but mostly in in support uh, of the police and to to relieve some duties that the police would normally be taking care of um and and you know protecting high-risk installations as well mm-hmm. so i guess we will continue to watch that into the future i'm sure we will be talking about that for years from now um I see i
2: i, I... I don't see them continuing on for I, I, I can't see them going the protest continuing on for week, weeks after now I see them dying down but with the very much the potential very much still there for them to spark up again yeah so it's, it's definitely that
0: establishment of of a new type of tension um just just because sort of the, the line has been crossed per se So I guess um, let's move on to Carrier Strike Group, group 21. Um, oh, or Carrier Strike this, Group... Open the mess that is the Type 45. Oh, God. I I guess we are we are entitled to talk about uh, uh, the Dragon... Or not the Dragon first. That's
1: um, <laughs> yeah, great. Go it's, ahead. It's not, it's not the Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> that's my fault. Um yeah, so um obviously we've we've had the news this week that uh HMS Diamond, um one of the type 45 destroyers assigned to the carrier strike group um has obviously suffered some sort of major uh, engineering malfunction um which has necessitated her breaking away from the carrier strike group and and reportedly is due to arrive either tonight or early tomorrow uh in the Italian port of Taranto. Um, where she will undergo what sounds like a fairly major overhaul. Um, I think you could probably tell us more about it, Jordan.
2: Well, it seems like it's going to have to go under a significant overhaul of the issues because it looks. It spent a number of time. It was. I think it was. Was it Suda Bay when they first sort of detected the problems in it? Once the group passed through the Suez and they stayed behind? Hmm. Again. Yeah, so... I, I
0: believed it it stayed back behind in the Mediterranean. Yeah.
2: So there's opening, there's that issue. It's going to go into, go into Toronto. And I mean, I'd expect i.e., tonight, tomorrow morning for an art, for the REF to be flying a C-17 out or an A-400 with the parts to get it replaced. Cause it doesn't exactly sound like a simple or a quick fix at this stage.
0: Potentially, um, with the level of repairs, we, we may see multiple aircraft flying in. Um, uh, currently, Chris Kavas is reporting. Um, this is thirty minutes ago, as of right now, um, that it looks like they're going to be swapping out one of the WR twenty one gas turbines, mm-hmm. um, which would be a, a, a fairly major job. I would ex- um,
2: I would expect because the the rest of the group's in Dukum in Oman right now, docked there. I would expect the defend the and. Um, the destroyer to rejoin before it sails around India. Because that marks a whole another stage of the deployment, and I don't think they'd want to be on a whole another stage of the deployment without that vessel.
0: Yes, yes. Um, I mean, this obviously um, demonstrates the importance of NATO, access to NATO facilities um, in peacetime and in wartime. um, Actually sailing HMS Diamond back to the UK for a repair like this would be incredibly difficult, yeah. um, and it and
2: uh, I was gonna uh, say, of it highlights course the importance of a carrier strike group of the the, the, the multi carrier strike groups, which are a fundamental part of NATO. If you look at any US carrier strike group, there's always in it. There's usually always a NATO ally involved in it.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure if there's a longer term issue with the diamond and it it has to depart. Um, for some sort of longer overhaul, um, the U.S. would be very willing to um, re- replace it with a Burke um, that's currently deployed into um, the Indian Ocean. I believe there are several currently right now operating in the region yeah. that that could be redeployed quickly. Um, yeah, and it, I mean it would it would be disappointing, of course, but but something that obviously can be dealt with.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately, this issue with uh, H.M.S. Diamond is is not much of a surprise. Um, it's been a fairly public uh, issue with the Type 45 destroyer that it has had engine troubles over the years. Um, now the class did go through a refit of sorts a few years ago to try and rectify the, the major problems with the engines. Um, for those of you who don't remember, uh, for a long while the engines struggled to deal with uh, hot climates and were constantly breaking down when the ships were deployed to the Persian Gulf region. Um, As I say, there was a refit that was uh, undertaken on the class, and that supposedly fixed most of those issues. Um, But clearly the fact that HMS Diamond has had to drop out and go back to Toronto for uh, this overhaul shows that there there are still issues with the class. Um, Hopefully those issues will be rectified. Hopefully it's a design flaw that will not be copied across to the future Type 83s um, when they eventually uh, begin construction. Um, Because unfortunately it it does take one of the more capable surface combatants that the Royal Navy has built in the last 40 years, and it it does give it a very, very bad reputation unfortunately. (coughs) It's they're
2: they're they're such capable vessels. I e they're some of the they're some of the best destroyers in the world. It's just this persistent problem. Just the unreliable the reliability question just always worries you.
1: Yeah, and and it doesn't.
0: I'm happen. I'm getting 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 uh certain PTSD from the uh, the combat ship program. Um, which if if you say engine problems around that, well, uh, the entire the entire uh uh, fleet is getting retired early very early in fact um just due to the massive amount of just inherent design problems and and issues with the engines and the operation of the vessels themselves if there's ever
2: one way to squander money up the wall that was it Mm.
0: yeah that that was a um that that was bad on on a number of different levels, from from procurement to to government intervention to operation. To just at every level, there were issues. Um, and then, of course, uh, Carrier Strike Group Twenty One is now in Oman after operating for a period of time with. Um, uh, multiple U.S. ships, including uh, the USS Ronald Reagan and the uh, USS Iwo Jima. I actually <laughs> had made the comment that, uh, funny enough, in that in that three ship uh, pairing, the the only one operating uh, Harriers was the U.S. ship. Um which which of course is, is is sort of sad to see, but but of course those are those are going to be replaced soon as well by twenty twenty five with F thirty fives as well.
2: So obviously so, after we finish up it after the group leaves to come, there's various split-offs are due to take place. I don't know which vessels are going, but one's due to go up into the one vessel's due to go into the Persian Gulf. Um there's a bit of an exercise off the north northwest coast of India going up there and one vessel and a vessel is due to head south down past somalia past tanzania through the seashells and past diego garcia and meet back up with the group off the coast of sri lanka so
0: from what i have um seen it it definitely is going to be the queen elizabeth um that will be operating with the indian navy Mm -hmm. um including their aircraft carrier as well um, so two ski-jump ships uh, operating in the same area area at the same time, one with uh, Russian-made aircraft and, and one with um, U.S. and, and U.K.-built aircraft. So that's definitely going to be um, definitely a moment, at least. Um, certainly, I know Britain has been marketing its role in India for a while now, along with the U.S., sort of trying to bring India from that um, very, very neutral um, uh, uh outside sort of the the um the whole uh nato russia situation into one where it's more friendly with nato and especially the us and the uk um so that's definitely going to be a big thing to see in the first place mm.
2: so and then that so that's what we do there so again don't know which one's going to go up into the persian gulf probably a type 45 or a type 23 to meet up with h maybe meet up with hms montrose which is already deployed there
1: yeah i mean given that one of the type 45s from the group has now obviously been called from the task group for repairs i would <clears> imagine <throat> that they will want to keep the other type 45 fairly close to the carrier um, so yeah. I imagine that. Regardless of what the plan was before, it's likely either to be uh, the Burke class destroyer uh, from the US or one of the Type 23 frigates uh, that probably end up going into the Persian Gulf.
0: I, um, I think it'll also... it'll be likely to see the Type 23 instead of a Burke.
2: Hmm. I would always say what'd be interesting as well is going down when it goes down past Somalia, past Tanzania, into the sea, past the seashells, Probably see meeting up with the EU naval force Somalia there on the account of piracy ops yes um of course the (laughs) the south
0: koreans have had some issues with that as well um they they are actually um they have a destroyer with a with a massive covid outbreak right now um i believe it's something like uh let me just double check the numbers here um it's over 90 now um sailors who have tested positive um for, uh, COVID at this point. Um, and so we're, we're, they're probably going to see an entire crew rotation. Um, so that that's definitely caused them a bunch of issues. And then it com- comes back to the issue of, um, of, of course, COVID affecting the ability of a lot of nations to do interoperability and, um, to, to actually operate in the first place, especially far from home. Yeah. Um, Especially countries with low vaccination rates um, outside of their own um, home ports, and and on a on a ship as well. Uh, of course, if you get one case of COVID, that is very very bad. Um, just due to the, I mean, living conditions on a ship, you have you know twelve plus men um, bunking in the same room, um, and it just it, COVID would run through
2: like wildfire, and that's that's what we've seen. Could talk a bit about Russia's new unknown fifth gen. Fighter. It's just made a random Ooh. appearance out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about Russia's uh, new
0: fighter. Um, we initially saw um, just hidden, at least, um, uh, information uh, coming out of or teasers coming out of uh, Russia, um, just for that this new single engine. Um, uh, single seater fighter, um, and now it looks like we've got at least some leaked footage and um, pictures of it under wraps. Um, it looks to be fairly similar. Um, it, honestly, like from my point of view, it looks like an ungodly child between uh, an Su fifty seven and an F twenty two, just with <laughs> one engine, and it's and, and also they crammed in the um, the, uh, the 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 um, uh, shoot, I'm forgetting. Sorry, the demonstrator that was competing with the um the X-35, um, that has the the undermounted uh air inlet um for for the engine. So it, it's it's a very interesting fighter. I'm not entirely sure where it's going to fit into sort of the current Russian stack. Um, with of course, right now Russia is trying to produce the SU 35 um in enough numbers to actually replace its older jets and the su 57 program has had enough issues on its own um, without export customers and, and just with slow production I'm just I'm not sure exactly where this fits into their their stack
1: yeah and it's it's interesting because obviously we, we do now have these images of the mock-up um, and uh, worth just noting that the mock-up uh, has a tail number of uh, Romeo foxtrot treble 075 um at the time of recording we don't know who the company responsible for the design is uh we don't know what the designation for the type is going to be um and, and as technical says it it looks like a a russian hybrid between the F35 the F22 um and with some there's clearly some of the design characteristics from the uh, the SU57 um, now, given <coughs> that the Su-57 is a, is a Sukhoi jet, and as, as Technical says, there's been uh, issues with the production of that aircraft type, I can't imagine it being a another Sukhoi design. Um, it's possible that this is a uh, mikoyan gurevich design, um, in which case it's potentially aimed at replacing the MiG-29 um in much the same way that the SU-57 is aimed at the uh, SU-27 um there's also been a suggestion it could be a Tupolev design um i find that unlikely given that Tupolev's resources at the moment are most definitely focused on their uh, their future bomber uh, their Da design as it's known um but yeah it, yeah
0: um, Steve Trimble actually made an interesting point um, that this fighter may, um, due to the advertising around this fighter, seems to be mostly in English, which means it may be for
2: primarily an
0: export market.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, me, it's, it needs to do better export than the SU-57, because I mean, it's only really Algeria who's been interested in it, who's going to be on, their, the, that's on the list sort of fell for
0: that. Apart a while ago. Uh, it, it's in the process of falling apart, I will say that. Yeah. Um, as the Algerian government continues to be put under pressure, um, both internally and externally. But um, I I think I just, with Russia's issues in high level manufacturing of aircraft um, that other countries like um, the U S the UK, and frankly even China at this point has a much better ability to produce these aircraft. Um, I just, I don't know really where What the intention of this is, it's going to stress their already limited ability to produce Su-35s and Su-57s.
2: And I was was questioning with like the export of it is who's the intended customer? It's going to be an expensive jet. It's not something. It's not something cheap. Like it's not something cheap you can export to poorer countries. It's going to be expensive, and it's only going to be larger countries with large budgets that could even possibly look to buy it. I mean, maybe this is ma-
0: aimed mostly at India, but we, we've already seen issues India had with the the Russian proposals to sell the SU uh, fifty seven to them. So I, I, I honestly, I just, I, it's sort of baffling where this fits in.
1: Yeah, and it, it does seem a, a, a strange thing for Russia to be doing at a time when. Like you say, it's not just the aviation side of things that Russia's struggling with in terms of manufacturing, they're also really struggling with uh, their aircraft carriers, Um, that's been an ongoing story now for a couple of years, they keep coming up with new designs and then they can't actually afford to build any of them.
0: Yeah, the surface fleet seems to be recovering a bit at this point, Hmm. yeah. and that the, the sub fleet as well honestly most of russia's success has been with submarine operations and submarine procurement yeah. um but i mean at, at this point they they just their aircraft manufacturing capabilities are so stressed
1: yeah and that that's not an issue that is going to resolve itself overnight um, it's no, the, the, to be honest It's a surprise, really, that Russia is even bothering with this design at all. Um, Obviously, at the minute, we are seeing China is kind of also manufacturing its own sort of twin-engine and single-engine designs for fifth-generation fighters. You've got, obviously, the, the, uh, the J-20, which is their sort of concept for an f-22 style jet and then they've also got the fc-31 which is a smaller jet sort of similar size and capability to the f-35
0: well and and to whatever the new russian jet ends up being the the fc-31 looks very similar and very similar at least in from what we've seen so far, and this is honestly a lot of speculation involved as well, capabilities wise, and the Chinese have a better ability to actually, you know, produce the jet in the first place. Yeah. And then, um, on top of that, um, I know, uh, Tyler mentioned this, uh, aviation Intel on, um, On Twitter, but um, a lot of countries who would be potential customers for this, and even the um, something like the F thirty five, are producing their own aircraft domestically. Korea, China, Turkey. Um, Hmm. So just it just seems we've seen this the marketplace sort of change over the past um, twenty years from you know the two big producers to a lot more domestic production of these aircraft.
1: Yeah, and um, it, it's worth saying that, particularly with uh, likes of Japan um, and Turkey, and uh, even you know Sweden, for example, um, a lot of the designs that are coming out of these countries are really good rivals to a certain extent. Um, to particularly for the export market where the U.S. and Russia have dominated for so long, um, we know that there's a lot of uh, European and sort of Southeast Asia countries that are now looking at Japanese and uh, Swedish alternatives um, rather than buying American or Russian, and ultimately a lot of that comes down to cost.
0: Yeah, again, if it's going to be the same price um, to produce something domestically, some countries have have gone, you know, with that route in the first place. And and additionally, as we saw with the, um, Swedish procurement, if they're willing to spend, you know, if, if the pocketbook is theoretically unlimited, they're going to go with the U S option just in, in general. Um, some countries won't, but most NATO countries, European countries, um, uh, even India at this point, we're seeing more of a, uh, at least more of a slant towards operating uh nato and u.s equipment but um you know moving into the future uh, it's it's just you know you can order something from russia and potentially get it in 10 years as you know algeria has seen <laughs> or you can you know get something from the u.s and and have it within the next few years with with intense support from uh the host country as well The only, the only condition is that the U.S. gets to install, you know, a kill switch in every aircraft. Yeah. That's only a rumour.
1: And and while we're on the topic of, uh, of newer aircraft, um, obviously it's been in the pipeline for a while and we've heard lots about it, but we've now got uh, seemingly the first semi-official... Um, schematics for China's upcoming stealth bomber, Um, the Xian H-20 has been um, fairly well publicised by China for some time, I think it's fair to say, they've been talking about it a lot, Um, but today we've actually seen for the first time uh, a schematic of it in a magazine, Um, and I think the thing that stood out for all of us most of all was that it looks very much like uh, the U.S. B-21 Raider design.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, there are, there are two options here. Either they're just copying the design from renderings that were released by the U.S., which the timeline somewhat fits up with that, or um, the the other option, which is equally as interesting, is that potentially there was some sort of data breach Um, and they were able to acquire schematics from the U.S.
1: And I think it's fair to say that regardless of which case it is, um, it's got to be something of concern to the U.S. and to NATO, um, because it looks an incredibly potent design.
0: Yeah, well, I think what China has... um, uh, uh, proven at least is that they have the ability to get things at least you know 95 percent as close as the u.s make potentially more of them and um at, at at a much cheaper price um which which of course is you know somewhat concerning as well because i mean that's again if you look at world war Two how how did the u.s and uh russia win Making stuff, you know, ninety-five percent is good, but a heck of a lot cheaper, and you know, with better um, logistics behind
2: it. What well, I was saying it's Chinese bomber might will probably be one of the big usages of it is probably to go and hit. It's going to be It's going to be. It's entirely intended to go beyond the first island chain. As in, I think that's a significant step. As in, the it's saying, look, we'll hit targets far beyond the this island. This island chain. We don't we can keep where, where strike fighters for this, these things are going to go across the Pacific and far south to hit targets.
0: Yeah, because of course the first island chain is fairly well covered with relatively, you know, uninterceptable large quantities of short-range ballistic missiles um, and, and longer-range operations using stealth aircraft, obviously, you know, that's, that's not really meant for the first island chain. It also might be meant um, as a threat to countries to the south and to the east and to the west um like you know india which we've seen a lot of tensions between them and china over the um over over the past few years um so again i mean you can't just look at china has a lot of neighbors it's unfriendly with some of them it's friendly with others um and they have a lot of their own domestic politics procurement stuff and it, there, there's a lot of stuff that we don't know I think that's, that's sort of a caveat we should probably put at the bottom of the description of every show. Um, we, we aren't geniuses. There's some stuff we're familiar with, but there's a lot we don't know. And, you know, a lot of the stuff that we do is, is make educated guesses um, and, and rely on the work and the commentary of other people who know more than us. Um, and so with stuff like um, the, the, the new Chinese uh, aviation, all of them, all the new Chinese projects, um, there's, of course, a lot of stuff that, that we aren't privy to and that that we just don't have the information about. And so we just we have to make those guesses. I mean, we can make educated guesses, but there's a lot of stuff, you know, who is the same dad? What what do they what message are they trying to say? Is this for a domestic audience or is this aimed to an international audience? Um, and so that's sort of something that we we have to balance it at, at all times, at least dealing with us. So. Sorry, just pulling up some stuff that I had saved. Um, So tensions continue to increase between Egypt, Sudan, and Ethiopia as um, the Ethiopian Renaissance Dam dam Project continues to go ahead and the filling process um, has started. Uh, President Sisi of Egypt uh, affirmed Egypt's right to preserve its water security and its historical right to the waters of the Nile. There definitely seems to be a lot of tension um, between uh, Egypt and Ethiopia over this issue um, as, as this effectively gives Ethiopia control over, you know, the water supply in the Nile, which is, again, essential to the existence of both Ethiopia and or Ethiopia, Egypt and Sudan. So that that fight will continue into the future. Um. Domestically inside the U.S., um, the National Guard is about two weeks away from um, shutting down operations. Um, this comes after a nearly half-billion-dollar bill uh, that was unfunded, protecting the um, the Capitol after the insurrection, during the election, and then after the inauguration. Um, this would actually affect a lot of things, including... Um, Uh, Both promotions, pay, pre-deployment training, um, uh, regular training activities, school activity. Um, In the U.S., a lot of promotions involve rigorous uh, classwork as well and training activity, which the um, National Guard will not be able to run um, in September, August, um, I believe October and November. So that would be a significant uh, risk. Heavy fighting continues in uh, Kandahar City um, in the south of Afghanistan between um, the ANDSF and the Taliban. Um, It's moved in from the southern suburbs into multiple districts inside the city. Um, The Taliban continues to fight with um, uh, heavy weapons, and uh, it's just very intense urban warfare right now. The Afghan government has also implemented a a curfew inside of Kandahar City as well. and then I think we are all probably need to um, comment on this one, but... <laughs> straight from the UK Defence Journal, a uh, gamer identifying as a Challenger 2 commander has posted a classified document online in order to improve the accuracy of the
2: game War Thunder, I which mean, we all play. There, I mean, there's commitment to the game, and then there's literally binning off your whole career and breaching fucking laws, for it. I will say... Um, i I'm probably one of the few people who will
0: um even slightly defend the tank commander, but um the challenger 2 is really bad, and I'm sure he wanted to improve. No, that um the the documents were um were were possibly incorrectly marked by someone else as uh, unclassified um which may have led to his um his un- it, it may have been an unintentional leak I'm sure there will be a fairly large MOD investigation into this, and um, people are definitely losing their jobs. Some people may not go to prison. Um, it just depends whether or not this was a miscommunication or some sort of um, accident. I guess that's that's probably the best explanation. I don't think anyone would be willingly stupid enough to to leak classified documents in that manner. There's there's obviously a bit more of an explanation um with that as well. Mhm.
2: It's just oh I, just, I mean the challenge 2 in the game is, isn't a great tank but I mean like, what was he even going to think they would do with it like they're just going to say oh cheers thanks for the thanks for the classified government documents.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> they're, uh, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, there 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 might have been a jump in logic. Um but but hey, you know, if you got to win an internet argument, you got to win an internet argument. It's just oh, it's just a weird it's just a weird one. I mean, I mean it's it's uh yeah. Yeah, it's it's bad. Um moving on to the Middle East, um the Lebanese uh prime Min- prime minister uh Saad Hariri um has stepped down he failed to he's basically failed to form a government over the past um nearly year now um so this will most likely trigger some new elections um and as a result result the Lebanese pound which has been hammered over the past few years after crisis after crisis in Lebanon including um uh, uh, issues with um, the banking system, then the explosion in Beirut, then the coronavirus outbreak. It's, it's, it's possibly the, the worst time for, for Lebanon um, right now in its, its modern uh, post-Civil War history. Um, so that, that will continue to put pressure on the uh, Lebanese government. I, I did talk with an expert um, on Lebanon and Lebanese-Israeli relations, even though um, Hamas is a and Hezbollah is a very large power inside of Lebanon, they will most likely avoid taking over in order to not be responsible for the massive domestic issues right now. Um, just yeah, the, the domestic issues are so huge that no one no one really wants to be in charge of them. Um, so so we'll most likely see this continue to just be a, a cycle of a civil unrest and. Um, and, and various governmental unrest as well. Um, I think the last thing I should, I should probably hit on is um, uh, it, it's been revealed um, that the Iranian government um, uh, plotted to kidnap an American journalist inside of America. Um, they sent uh, private detectives and Iranian agents to uh, the U.S., um, in order to surveil and come up with a plan to um, to actually kidnap this journalist. Um, the, they were stopped and arrested by the FBI, but this certainly um, demonstrates Iran's willingness to target people who, who caused them issues. They also um, conducted at least surveillance operations in Canada, the UK, the UAE, um, and some other countries that were not mentioned as well in the indictment. Um, They hired local private investigators to photograph entrances of homes, to follow family members, and to monitor their contracts. So that's something that's definitely a a bit concerning to us as well. And I think that's it for the news stories that I've highlighted. Did anyone else want to comment as well?
2: I think that's pretty much everything. I think we've talked about everything significant. I think there was That's happened uh, in the just the
1: story, if uh, if you don't mind my adding. Um, Russia has announced uh, this evening that the uh, their domestic intelligence agency, the FSB, has foiled an Islamic terrorist plot uh, to target Moscow. Um, now I don't know any of the details of that, but um, it's worth saying that, particularly in the last sort of four or five years, when Europe was being hit by terrorist attack after terrorist attack. Russia was not exempt from that. I think I think it's fair to say there was a few uh, sort of notable attacks, mainly against um, train networks in a couple of major Russian cities. Um, and so, for Russia to to turn around and and, and again say that they've foiled yet another attack, um, I I just think that's quite interesting, uh, particularly in light of Russia's current involvement in Syria and and elsewhere.
0: Yeah, and and of course they've had historic issues um, uh, with terrorism ever since the uh, Chechen War started, um, and even even slightly before that. Um, and that's 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 something that I, not to say we expected per se, but but it's it it it's historically um, a, a thing that we've seen. So thank you so much for um, listening, and we hope the next two weeks are are a bit more quiet so we can get some rest.
1: Oh he's used the Q word. Well,
0: <laughs> oh. oh, we're yeah. damn sorry. Go go <laughs> to your bomb shelters.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for listening everyone, and uh we will catch you again in two weeks' time.